Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! Amen. Amen. How's everybody feeling this morning? We're going to try that one more time. How's everybody feeling this morning? All right. Look at somebody near you, behind you, in front of you, and say, I'm so glad that you are here this morning. I'm so glad that you are here this morning. Hallelujah. If, uh, if, you, have a, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Colossians. We're going to start off in Colossians chapter 3. If you don't, that's all good because we'll put it on the screen. But while you're turning there, I'm going to pray one more time. So, Lord, thank you so much for today. God, you are so good. You are so great. Thank you for your spirit already being here in the building. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do. Jesus, we worship you. We honor you. Holy Spirit, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Remove every hindrance spiritually, mentally, and neg- uh, uh, spiritually, mentally, and physically. So, Lord, anything and everything that will cause us not to receive uh, you deposit in the seed inside of our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Hallelujah. See, we didn't have to. I was, I was prepared. I was prepared, but y'all, amen, right off the go. So, so uh, this morning, if you're taking notes, we're going to, you can put on top of your paper, uh, the swipe. The swipe. Everybody say the swipe. Now, I'm not about to collect your debit card or credit card information, so don't worry about that. We're not talking about in that retrospect. But I remember a few years ago, let's see, uh, Kellen's five, so about four years ago, um, that is, that's how you know you're a parent. When you gauge dates by, okay, my, my child is this, was it this? No, it was after Kenan, uh, before, uh, so yeah. So anyways, but four years ago, uh, I remember four years ago, um, there's, uh, there's this Christian comedian named John Christ. I don't know if you ever heard of him or anything like that. You catch a lot of his stuff on social media. But I remember back when we was living in Bristol, <clears throat> at the time he, he performed in Bristol and uh, some of our church, we went to go watch him. And he, uh, a lot of stuff, he, uh, he re-performed or re-performed whatever because a lot you know they're if they're blowing up on the internet when you see them live a lot of times they're just repeating some of the same jokes so you know everybody's laugh at me I'm like I heard this bro I heard this but there's one even though I'd heard it still I loved it and we've adapted to our life but he would talk about how you know as a Christian um, there's sometimes where you just you know uh, you're in the moment you're triggered now last week we talked about being triggered and we talked about our responses and if you did not hear that I encourage you you need to go back and listen to that because I'll tell you what this past week it was funny uh, Kelsey mentioned it she's like ever since you mentioned the word trigger like now I know like I see all the triggers and uh, now we're aware of it it's kind of like when you buy a certain car you never noticed that car on the road until you bought it and now everybody's got it and you're like why is everybody copying me you know so <laughs> but um, but with Within this joke, he talked about um, as Christians, a lot of times we could be triggered and you have, you know, you have that moment to where like you want to say something. You know, we all know, you know, when you get around that certain person that just agitates you, get around that certain family member, that one cousin, that one uncle or auntie, that's just like, Lord, hold my tongue. But you have the thoughts. You have the thoughts. And within this joke, he talked about, it's kind of like, you know, you're having a swipe. Like you're at the grocery, no, 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 not that one. Not, oh, yeah, that's, that's the right thought. I'm going to pull that one and that's the one I'm going to speak. And uh, we was in a conversation, me and Kelsey, it was either Monday or Tuesday, and uh, I said something, the moment was right. She could have she clapped back and she was like, nope, nope, nope. And I was like, ah, I forgot about the swipe. And of course, she being more Christ-like than me in the moment, she was like, you know, I'm a, you know she said the right thing or whatever. And I was like, you know what, we, we need to get back to applying the swipe in our lives. So that's what we're going to talk about today is the swipe. 
Now, as parents and, and boomers, millennials, Gen Zers, employees, employers, sons, daughters, residents of Henderson County or Lexington, at the end of the day, as human beings, we all experience moments where we're triggered. Amen. Amen. We all experience moments where we're triggered. Um, and at the end of the day, we have uh, those experiences or we have the opportunity to where we can say the right thing or the wrong thing. And we all been guilty of saying the wrong thing. Nobody's perfect. If somebody tells you, oh, I've never said the wrong thing a day in my life, lie, all right, cap, all day. But we all have those moments. And last week, like I said, we talked about um, being triggered and we talked, about, um, we talked about our responses and how we can determine how we're going to respond or how we're going to respond to different things. And today we're going to dive deeper into that. Uh, we're talking about the swipe. If you have a Bible, in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to be in the New Living Translation. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Paul says this, he says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So, I, um, you know, let's let's break this down for a minute. But I love how Paul says in verse one, he says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ. So that phrase alone. That phrase long, because I've, I've read this over and over, and it wasn't until about the, uh, about the fourth or fifth time I, I started paying attention to, like, even the, even the small phrases. But when Paul says, um, he says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, therefore, everything he's about to say after he's talking to people that have made the decision to follow Jesus. Lindsay, why is this important? A lot of times we try to throw the Bible on people that have never made the decision to follow Jesus. And then we question them when they question us. It's almost like saying, you know, uh, it's almost like you talking to somebody. Let's say I decide to take a trip to Italy and I come back and, I, and I'm talking about all, you know, all the different things. And I'm expecting you to understand where, what I'm saying. And you're looking at me like I'm, I, I've never been there. I don't know. I can't relate to that experience. So the same is, could be said in this one. Paul is talking. He's saying what I'm about to say, it can only be relatable to people that have made the decision to follow Jesus. So with that being said, Paul says this, he says in verse one, set your sights on the realities of heaven. I love that. I just love that poetic verse. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. So think about, and in verse two, he also says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Somebody say why. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So the reason he says these things is, number one, is because becoming affectionately acquainted with the realities of heaven will keep you from being distracted by what's going on in the earth. See, when we become aware of what's going on in heaven, everything down here doesn't, it doesn't distract you as much. And in fact, in fact the, the phrase um, affectionately acquainted, acquainted is the fruit of experience. Acquainted is the fruit of experience. Somebody say Acquainted. Is the fruit of experience. So let's break that. Let's break that phrase down even more. So not only to say because becoming affectionately acquainted with the realities of heaven will keep you from being distracted. Really, we can say becoming affectionately experienced with the realities of heaven. That's why worship is so important. Because in those moments of heat and those moments of friction, when you're triggered, that's why I remember being in Bible college. A lot of times they would say, you know, when you get mad, just worship. And I'm like, bruh. I ain't about to, somebody cuss you out just worship. I'm not about to, they tell me where I could go, I'm going to tell them where they could go back, you know. I don't, no, I would, I would just be, I remember sitting in the, and this is, this is way before Kelsey, this is way before I like really made that decision to be like, okay, Lord, I'm going to go gung home for you. But sitting freshman year in Bible college, you're like, listen, when you, when somebody does you wrong, just worship. I'm like, 
Lord, Lord, they ain't talking to me. Don't you know, I didn't, I didn't even know back then that I was part of the Sons of Thunder. But still, even back then, I was like, nah, that, that, that ain't my scripture. I don't know, that ain't my promise, God. You didn't promise me that. You didn't promise me that. But that's why worship is so important, because worship reminds us of the reality of heaven. Because, see, it's, it's, hard to be, it's hard to be selfish. It's hard to be focused on your wants and desires when you're talking about, uh, you're all I want, or I love, I love, I love your presence. It's hard to, it's hard to be reminded of so-and-so and how they did you wrong, or it's hard to be reminded of what you do, uh, what you don't have. It's hard to be reminded of all the different things that the devil loves to throw in our face when you're singing, I love your presence, I love, I love. I love you, Jesus. See, it's hard to be focused on self when you're singing about the reality of heaven. And that's why, and that's why Paul said that we had to set our sights on the realities of heaven. Because when you set your sights, when you focus, it's that phrase, set your sights, it makes me think of a hunter. When somebody's hunting a deer, their sights are, are set on that deer. And guess what? Nothing else matters. Nothing else distracts them. Their, only, their goal is to just get that right there that that's in front of them and we have to have that laser-like focus but in verse 2 Paul said he said think about the things of heaven not the things on this earth here and this is what Paul didn't say because I remember reading this I was like think about the things of heaven not on the things of earth you know it's easy to read this verse and think okay Paul is saying that we should be thinking about heaven all day long that way when we get to heaven we know what to do no Look at somebody beside you and say, no, that's not what he's saying. In verse two, when Paul says, think about heaven, not things on the earth, he's saying, adjust your focus on heaven and how, and how heaven responds to every issue. So you will know how to live on the earth. Did you see, it's easy to, you know, certain issues in life, it's easy to be like, okay, well, what does the left say? Or what does the right say? You know, a lot of times we don't ever think, you know, what does, what does heaven say about this? What, what does heaven say about COVID-19? What does heaven say about a mask? What does heaven say about uh, the restrictions? What does heaven say about all these everything? What does heaven say about the bypass? Oh, yeah, heaven's got a perspective on the bypass. I remember when we first moved back, I, I was like, what is this? I'm trying to come to church. I was like, oh, mom and dad didn't tell me about this. Now I got to drive all the way around. And you can ask Kelsey, I was, I was not happy. The thunder came out. Miranda, the thunder came out. I was like, what is this? Good old Henry, I said, only in Lexington. I'm going to just stop all traffic to build another road. Only in Lexington. And eventually, eventually God reminded me of heaven's perspective. And, you know, heaven's perspective was, it was a temporary inconvenience. It was a temporary discomfort, but also it was going to produce an exponential amount of fruit. Because once that bypass is done, this church will see the most foot traffic it's ever seen in the history of its existence. More cars will pass by this way. Why? Because that produces more lanes for people to travel. But see, but see the thunder side of me, the, the, the triggered side of me, like, oh, I just want to complain. I can only see what's naturally in this natural realm. But that's why Paul said we have to set our sights on heaven. That's why you have to ask, your, that's why you have to ask God, God, what, how do you feel about this? Well, Lindsay, that's a little extra. Should I? Yeah, you should. Yeah, we should be seeking heaven's perspective. We should be seeking Abba's perspective. So when Paul said, when Paul said, think about the things of heaven, not the things of reserve, he's saying, take a good look at heaven's perspective on every issue. Somebody say every issue. Every. Take a good look on heaven's perspective on every issue and you will know how to live in these earth. 
You take a good look at how heaven has a perspective on everything, you'll know how to live on this earth. You'll know how to work on your jobs the way you're supposed to work. You'll know how to be the best employee. You'll know how to be the best employer. You'll know how to be the best son, how to be the best daughter, how to be the best parent. Even, even if nobody showed you how to be the best parent, if you can get heaven's perspective, you'll know how to be the good, good father. You'll know how to be the good, good father. You'll know how to love unconditionally. You'll know, if you can get heaven's perspective on singleness and dating, you'll know how to wait Amen. and how not to fall for just anything. Hey, all right, we're going to move on because I can feel the toes crushing. I can hear them toes crushing. So as human beings who follow Jesus, a lot of times the reality of heaven and our carnal thoughts, they get jumbled up. A lot of times as human beings, you know, we, we can come to service and we can receive the word. But guess what? We have to deal with our own flesh. And a lot of times our desires and the word, it gets jumbled up in our mind. But don't worry. Wait, there's more. I have a hack for you, a solution, and that is called the swipe. Everybody say the swipe. Let, let, me, let, me, let me see. Just, let me, come on. Just, just, there you go. There, there you go. You swipe. You swiping it out. The swipe. And, and listen, I know, I know it's funny, but Paul even talks about the swipe. What? Yes, he does. Paul talks about swipe in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, we'll put it on the screen, but this is going to be in the Passion Translation. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, Paul says this. He says, for although we live in the natural realm, that's here on earth, although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, use the manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power, to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and breaks through and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, verse 5, we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Somebody say the swipe. So I love this because in verse five, Paul reminds us that we have to turn our attention away from what's going on on earth and focus our attention on the real enemy. It makes me think of the Hunger Games. If you ever seen the Hunger Games, the whole theme of the whole movie was remember who the real enemy is. You know, as Christians, we have to remind ourselves who the real enemy is. It's not the person across the street. It's not that one cousin. That we all see, you see that one cousin at Walmart, you're like, we just go to, oh, hey, yeah, yeah. It's not them. It's not that one coworker. It's not the person calling asking, do, they, uh, do you have time to talk about your extended warranty? As much as annoying as that is, it's not the one calling to try to steal and scam your money. It's not the one that is saying stuff about you on social media. It's not the one that did you dirty in your past. The real enemy, Paul says in verse 5, he talks about how the real enemy is demonic strongholds. Demonic strongholds. I see, growing up, I used to hear that word a lot, demonic and demonic strongholds. But in the Aramaic version, you know what Jesus says demonic strongholds are? Rebellious castles. I remember telling Kelsey this last night, and I was trying to, I was trying to keep the giddiness in because it was late. We were all tired. But just, just that, that, that kid, the second wind in me. But rebellious castles, I thought it's interesting that he would choose the word demonic stronghold to be associated with the rebellious castle. And see, back in the medieval times, castles, that was the heyday. That was the glory of all things. That was the pinnacle. If you could penetrate the castle, then guess what? You took in the kingdom. But if you couldn't, if you couldn't penetrate the castle, then that means that you were weak. The castle held up all the treasures, all the riches. It was a sign of prestige. And the fact that demonic strongholds is related to a rebellious castle, the reason I fully believe this is because a lot of times your pride can seem, can seem like candy at times. 
You know, a lot of times we'd be like, well, I, I don't desire much. I just, I just want this little bit. You know, if I won the lottery, I, I'd do this. We all have those conversations, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all have that. You know, if I, if I won about 20 mil, if I won, oh, I pay my tie, but then I, I move away, nobody ever hear me. I, we, we all have those conversations. And, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times pride, it, it, it's slick. It's, it's, it's never, it never comes out flashing a big light saying, this is pride. Run away. This is the devil. Run away. This is the opposite of Jesus. Run away. No, 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 no. The serpent, when the serpent talked to Eve, he just asked the question. He just said, are you sure God said? And we, we read that scripture. We're like, oh, I wouldn't talk to a snake. Well, I for sure know I would not talk to a snake. But a lot of times our pride in our flesh poses just innocent questions, and we answer them. We respond with the wrong things. A lot of times our flesh and our desires trigger a question and point our mind that we don't respond right. We, we don't pull down the right thing. We, we don't swipe. Instead, we just, the first thought that comes to mind. And then we wonder why we always have to apologize, or we wonder why we're always offended, or we wonder why people don't fully understand us. Why? Because as Jesus follows, you have to swipe. You have to push past what your flesh wants to say. You have to push past what you, the sarcasm, all the, you got to push past that and pull down the right thought. Because see, I love it in verse five, literally, I'm going to read that again. We could demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and breaks through the arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture. See, I know as millennials, we say swipe, but as a kid, the, the seasoned saints will say take captive of every thought. Take captive of every thought and imagination that exalts itself against God. And as a kid, I would, I would imagine, you got to think my, my picture like mine, I would imagine, you know, an army seizing the castle and taking captive the prisoner. And literally, when you look in the New King James Version, it says, take captive like prisoners of war every thought and imagination that exalts itself against God. Why? Because, you know, uh, when you watch the reenactment of all the different war movies, when they're taking over a country, they never say, Knock, knock. Hey, we're here to take your country. Can we have it, please? You never see that. You never see the polite, oh, we're here. We're going to pillage your homes. We're going to pillage your villages. We're going to take everything. We're, can we have it, please? Oh, you want us to wait? We'll wait. We'll wait out here. You never see those in the movies. You never see that. No, uh-uh. In in-game Marvel, you never see Thanos go like, I'm here to wreck everything. Is that okay? We never, no. No, it is violent, it is aggressive, it is tactful, and it, it, is, it is precise. Therefore, if you're going to take captive of every thought, you can't just be nonchalant like, you know, I guess this is the day I'm going to try to renew my mind. No, 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 when you wake up in the morning, you have to make the conscious decision. This is the day, no matter how I feel, no matter who says what, no matter who tits me off, no matter who cuts me off in traffic, at the end of the day, I'm going to take captive of every thought. I'm going to swipe past every rude comment that I want to say. I'm going to swipe past every ounce of sarcasm. Uh, I'm going to swipe past every bitterness, and I'm going to find the right thought. Here's how you know it's the right thought. I'm way, pay, way past the notes. Here's how you know it's the right thought, when it's the Christ-like thought. If it's Christ, then it's right. Simple as that. Uh, that, if you don't get anything else, if it's Christ, then it's right. Like, the, 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 would Jesus say that? Uh, he wouldn't. Go. All right. Would you, Jesus wouldn't do that. <sighs> Jesus would do that, though. All right, let me pull it down. And we're not just pulling it down, but we're pulling it and we're speaking it. We're pulling it and we're doing it. We're pulling it and we're extending it. Not so people can be like, oh, look at, look at Miss Alita. She's just so Christ-like. No, 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 no. 
when, when, when you walked in the room and you saw the lights were on, who in here was like, oh, look at those light bulbs shining? No? It was just part of the aesthetic. Watch this. You ain't ready for this. When we shine like Christ, people don't notice us. They notice, that, they notice the heavenly aesthetic that's in the room. They notice the heaven-like atmosphere. They notice, oh, man, this, this ain't her. This, this ain't, who is this? this is, what is this peace? What is this joy that I can't understand? Jesus. That's right. That's who it is. It's Jesus. And when we reflect him, when we swipe past every, every impure thought, every lustful thought, every temptation thought, every, every bitterness thought, when we swipe past all that, and take captive. Take captive. Why? Because it's, it's, it's not a game. It's not a championship. It's practice. Well, you have to take captive of every thought. Even, even the ones that are just like, well, Lindsay, it was, it was just an innocent thought. Or it was just a, it was just a, a small remark. No, no, you got to take captive. Amen. Because I want you to think about this. If God was so invested to send his son to take care of every sin, willingly and, un- and unwillingly, that you don't know about and you know about, every sin that you commit, every detail. If he was that focused on every detail of your life, then guess what? The small words matter. Amen. The small words matter. The small remarks, the small dids, they matter. They matter and they have weight. Even when God said, let there be light, a lot of times we just focus on, let there, you know, we focus on light and light was. Let there be. Well, that's, that's enough in itself because the light knew where to hang. The light knew where to shine. Why? Because he said right here, let right here be light. See, even the smallest words that we wouldn't consider to matter, they matter to God. And if they matter to God, they should matter to us. We have to, we have to take captive of every thought. Somebody say take captive. That's why you have to swipe until it's right. That's why you got to swipe till it's right. Let me, let me, let me, look, come on, let me, let me, let me see you just swipe. Let me, go, get, get practice in this. Get practice in it. Some of y'all tomorrow, you're going to, and don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed when you see me and Kelsey talking. We're, because at the end of the day, I, I'd rather be embarrassed where I got to do this than offend somebody and cause them to not want anything to do with Jesus. See, so I, I, I'm okay with offending somebody by the way I dress because the way I dress is the way I dress. I dress comfortable. I dress what I got in my closet because I like to save my money, and I think my clothes are all right. And then two, uh, yeah, I'm me. I'm okay with that. But if I say something to do something that offends you, that cause you to never want to receive Jesus, then there's a problem. Amen. See, there, you have to separate the offense. You have to separate, okay, am I offending somebody physically or am I offending somebody spiritually? Am I, am I causing somebody to never receive Jesus or I'm just hurting their feelings because they didn't put enough salt in their food? A lot of times we just clump offense into one big category and we don't want to offend. So therefore, a lot of times we, uh, we remove Jesus from the equation when in actuality, he can still be in the equation and you can still implement a little bit of friction in order to allow them to see who Jesus truly is and how he can, how he can resolve the issues of their heart. Amen. But listen, once we begin to swipe past all the selfishness, all the petty drama, all the self-harm or the harm to others, that's when we as Christians will finally start to look like Jesus. Amen. When, you, when, we, when we get in the habit of swiping, that's when the church will look like Jesus. Amen. Not just Cooper's Grove, but I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about the bride of Christ as a whole. You. The more you swipe, the more you look like Jesus. I, this, this is why I love Jesus, and this is, why I know we, this is why I know that I aspire to be like him. You can't tell me that the Son of God come down here, 
Now, before he even came down, created everybody. Let me hear you say everybody. We having fun today. Everybody. He created everybody, everything. And you can't mean to tell me that he, he didn't have that, that moment where he was tempted to just be like, you know what? Thunder, pow. You, know, you, don't, you don't talk Pharisee, pow. You can't, you can't tell me that he didn't have the thoughts where he wanted to retaliate or he wanted to do his own thing. I can prove it to you because in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if, this, if there's any other way, I don't want this. Paraphrasing. I, if there's any other way, please let this cup pass. But then in true submission to the Father, just like we should be, in true submission, he would say, Lord, not my will, but your will. Your will be done. So Jesus said, listen, he gave us this example. Yes, we have our own desires. Yes, we have our own will. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't line up with Jesus, we have to make the conscious decision. Be like, you know what? Not my will, but your will be done, God. All right, God, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to be nice. Not my will, but your will be done. Lord, not my will, but your will be done in my conversations with people. Ooh. Lord, not my will, but your will be done at the family gatherings. Mm. Lord, not my will. Here's another one. Not my will, but your will be done when I go in Walmart and I run into somebody that I didn't want to see. Lord, not my will, but your will be done when somebody, when I see somebody that is financially in need and I don't want to give, but you know what I need to give? I'm coming for you. Not my will, but your will be done when it comes to my flesh and me wanting, I'm tired, God, I don't want to do this. Ah, okay, I'm going to go serve. I'm going to go help. I'm going to go give. I'm going to go bless. I'm going to go love. I'm going to go pray. I'm not just going to say that the Lord bless you and do the small prayers, but I'm going to intercede. I'm going to fast a meal. I'm going to sacrifice and submit because your will is what needs to be rampant on the earth. Why? Because I'm in this habit of swiping, swiping past my flesh. Swiping past what I want to do. The more you swipe, the more you're going to look like Christ. The more you take captive of every thought is the more you're going to look like Jesus. Somebody say swipe. Come on, let me see you do the motion. There you go. There you go. We're going to close with this. We're going to close with this. If you still have your Bibles open, we're going to, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 in the New Living Translation. But the author of Hebrews, he tells us the importance of why we should be swiping. Now, I know we live in a world where, uh, you know, the moment you say swipe, people think of a dating app or people think of social media where you're scrolling and swiping. But no, 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 no. There's, 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 a, there's a genuine uh, attribute to you following the gospel when it comes to swiping past all the rudeness and all the impure thoughts. In Hebrews chapter 12, the author says this. He says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. I want to stop for a minute. Based off verse 1 and 2. Shoo! Based off verse 1 and 2. If Jesus is enough to enable us to run the race of faith. Because see, the moment, the moment that you made the decision to make Jesus Lord of your life, you're in, instantly thrown in the race. You know, now if somebody's like, Lindsay, you want to race? You ask Kellen. Kellen's like, you want to race? No, I don't, son. I don't. They don't want to. I'll watch you. And then Kel's like, come on, just raise. You're going to love these moments when you go older. I was like, sure, but right now I don't love these. I don't want to move. 
don't want to run. I want to sit down. Let him run. He's got all the energy. He wakes up, gassed up and ready to go. Daddy, don't. Coffee is made for dad. Kellen don't need daddy, so just let Kellen run, okay? But still, the moment that you make the decision to follow Jesus, instantly you're thrown in the race. You're thrown in the race, but watch it. You're thrown in a marathon, not a sprint. A lot of times we forget that, but we were thrown in a marathon. Marathons, they take longer. Marathons, you have to set a pace. A sprint, you're just gassing until you're finished. But a marathon, you set a pace and you stick to it. But according to verse 1 and 2, if Jesus is the one that enables us to, to run, then watch this. What is it that causes us to stop? What, what, what is it? If, if Jesus is enough to, to keep me running on the, on the track, if Jesus is enough to keep me striding, keep me pulling forward, then, then what is the thing that causes me to stop? It's everything that we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It's all, the, it's all the imaginations, all the fantasies, all the thoughts, all the demonic strongholds that exalt itself above God. All the thoughts that try to creep in and place themselves on the top shelf where Jesus should be sitting. That's what's going to distract you. That's what's going to cause you to stop. And it's the smallest. It's never a big flashy sign that says, hey, this is going to cause you to stop. This is going to cause you to stop. This is, it's never the flashy sign that says this is going to cause you to doubt God. It's never the thing that's going to, this is going to cause you to question the word. This is going to cause you to miss this Sunday. This is going to cause you to never, no, 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 no. It's the subtle it's the subtle thoughts. It's the subtle whispers. But even in that, we have to, Paul says you have to take captive. Everything, you got to filter it. You got to filter it through. Okay, is this, it, does this sound like Jesus or does it not? You know, we make the big decisions when it comes to if we're going to purchase a house. Or oh, is this the right house or is this the right location for my kids? Or, or has this got too many stairs? We, we, we have no problem inspecting when it comes to buying a house, or we had no problem inspecting all the different details when we we're going to purchase a car. I remember was looking at a car yesterday, and Kelsey looked at all these details, and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not thinking about all that. I'm just like, it runs, you know, it's comfortable, it looks clean, it's cleaner than our car, let's get it. You know, she's like, I saw, I smell some smoke over here. I'm like, what? I hear she, she's, I'm like, oh snap, it's smoking. So, like, what? she's like, what's this? What's it do? I, I, I don't know. Let's, let's look and see. On the physical realm, we have no problem inspecting every detail that when it comes to purchasing something. But when it comes to our life and our commitment to Jesus, we lack inspecting the smallest details. We lack inspecting, okay, is this thought, even though, even though it's just a joke, even though it's just sarcastic, what does it produce? What fruit does it produce? Does it produce offense? Does it produce hurt? Does it produce distance between this, this person I'm telling and, and God? Does it, does it produce distance? Does it drive a wedge? Does it do those things? If, if Jesus is enough to keep us on the track, guess what? The distractions come from all the other thoughts that we have. All the thoughts that we don't check. All the times where we're just like, I ain't going to say it. I'm going to say it, though. Those, that. 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 And I'm tempted. It's, it's fun. It's like, I don't want to say this. I'll say it. Okay, I'm going to say it. And the moment you say it, those are seeds that you have sown. Amen. You can't see them, but those are seeds that you're sown. And, we, and you better pray that they aren't the wrong seeds. Right. You better pray that they don't produce the wrong fruit. Amen. Because in order for that fruit to, in order for God to plant the new fruit, that means it's got to be plucked up and the field has got to be burned like we talked about a month ago. And who here wants to go through the burning? Huh? 
I remember, I remember, I think it was a year ago or two years ago when Maverick City came out with the song uh, Refiner. I remember I'm sitting in my office down there in Florida and it starts out and I'm like, ooh, and I, this don't happen too much, you know. I, I'm not, but in the, I'm sitting, I'm just like, ooh, all right, I wanna be tried by fire. I was like, whoa, 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 so, so what? I wanna be what? I was like, nah, nah, that one right. Because me and Kelsey, we have this inward, inward battle of how I always jack up the lyrics. She could get, she's got the lyrics, but me, I'm like, I, I just hear what I, I just sing what I hear. Like, if it sounds like it, that's what I'm singing. It is what it is. You know, if you want to correct me, you correct me, I'll receive it. But for the most part, I'm just going to sing what I want. So I'm like, oh, you know, this is one of those moments Kelsey's probably right. So let me go back and Google the lyrics. So I Google, I'm like, I want to be tried by fire. I'm like, like I don't want to be tried by fire. I want to sing this. And at the time, I was in charge of doing the worship there, so I was like, do not list, move that song straight to the do not list, because I'm like, we're not going to sing that. I was like, I just felt this prompting to go back and read the rest of the lyrics. I'm like, okay, I want to be tried by fire. I want to be purified. Lord, take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. And I'm like, hmm, that's the epitome of the Christian walk. Every day I wake up, Lord. My thoughts. You know what? Take my thoughts and try them by fire. In fact, David said it best. He said in Psalms 139, Lord, search me, O Lord. Search me and search my heart. Anybody in here comfortable with just saying, you know what? Here's, here's my heart. Just go and search. Go and go and look. David said, O Lord, search my heart. And whatever is not right, I give you permission to, to remove. Every day you wake up, that, that should be our prayer. Lord, thank you for this day. God, I submit to you, whatever's in my heart, whatever's in my mind that's not of you, purify it. Purify it, God. Purify it, God. Why? Because I know that I'm going to have the opportunity to come across somebody that needs you, and I want to make sure what comes out of my mouth is you and not me. I want to make sure what comes out of my mouth is not sarcasm. It's not bitterness. It's not rudeness. It's not a crude joke. I want to make sure what comes out of my mouth is something that points them in your direction. Lindsay, that's a lot. That's, that's, that's a lot to ask. That's a, that's a heavy weight put on us. I didn't put it on you. God put it on you. Why? Because the moment that you accepted him, and guess what? You weren't put in Henderson County or Lexington or on the jobs that you work or in the families that you work, no matter how functional or dysfunctional they are, you was not placed in the scenario that you're in just by happen chance. God wasn't just like, oh, roll the dice. Drea and the Melton family. God wasn't like that. He specifically placed you. And if it's hard, that means that it's working. If it's hard, that means it's working because last time I checked, the fiery furnace is never comfortable. You don't see vacation, uh, you don't see vacation ads saying, oh, come by and hop in the fiery furnace. You'll see those, anybody see those vacation ads? No, no. You know, we see the vacation ads that go relax and chillax in the mountains, chillax on the beach. But nobody sees the, that the, the tourism to go sit in the fiery furnace and let God refine you. Let God purify your life. Let God extract all the impure thoughts. Let God take all the bitterness out. Let God heal you through the fiery furnace. Let God, let God restore you through the fire as he burns off every ounce of bitterness, every insecurity, every wrong thing done, whether it's by a family member or a friend or a loved one or a mentor. We don't see those things, but guess what? That's what happens when we submit to the fire of God but you can't submit if you're constantly pulling down the wrong thoughts. If you're constantly saying just the first thing that comes to your mind. 
There's nothing wrong with if somebody asks you a question, you wait in about 30 seconds before you answer. There's nothing wrong with that. If they got a problem with it, then they're not the people you need to be having conversations with. And if they're like, Lindsay, why does it take you so long? And this is a pet peeve of mine, because me and Kelsey be talking, I'm like, come on, come on, spit it out, spit it out. And that's something God's got to work with me on. But if, if they're like, why does it take you so long to respond? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pull down the right thing. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm swiping past all the things I want to say, and I want to say the right things. I, I, I want to say the Christ-like things. But I want, we didn't read verse 3, but I want to read verse 3. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, the author says, Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Then you won't become weary and give up. So the author said that when you want to give up, think about what Jesus did. Think about what Jesus went through and then you won't give up. Uh, if anybody watched the Olympics, if you, if you watch one of the track meets when they're running, you never, see, you never see the one that's in the lead. You never see him looking over to the person behind him to see what the other team, how far the other team is. You never see him or her focusing on the distance of their competitors. You never see that. They're just laser-like focused. They know their destination, which is through, not at the finish line. It's through the finish line. One of the hats for us as Jesus followers, and I, had to, I tried, the Lord gave me this, and I tried it out last week, and I could tell you it did wonders. We're driving down the road, and one big iota for me is being back in the town that I grew up in. You have all the memories. You have all the expectations and being reminded of all the different things you said you was going to do, and if you accomplished them or didn't accomplish them. And then the devil loves to trick me and make me think that, okay, was, uh, everybody knows those accomplishments. Everybody knows the things that you wanted to do, and everybody knows how you didn't do them. But remember, the, everything the devil says, the opposite of his words are true. Amen. But remember, as I'm driving down the road, and I'm thinking about this, and I, yeah, Kelsey's in the car, and I, uh, I think Cohen's with us as well. And I'm driving down the road, and all of a sudden, I just sat out of my mouth. I'm okay. I'm not competing with anyone. I'm loved by God, and he loves me. And I remember saying that over and over until we got to the house. And time I got out of the car, I just felt this, whew, this weight release. Can I, can I give you this? You are not in competition with anyone. You're not in competition with anyone. The devil loves to make us believe. Life loves to make us believe that we are, that we are missing out on everything. We are uh, all because we have this going on or because we have that going on. But you are not in competition with anyone. You are okay. You're loved by God and God loves you. And this week, you may have to say that over and over again. At work, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not in competition with anyone. I'm loved by God and God loves me. I'm loved by God. I'm loved by God. I love him. I belong to him and he belongs to me. I'm okay. I'm, I'm not in competition with anyone. And with the moment, uh, the more you say it, I promise the more you say it, the more that release is just going to come out to where you're like, okay. Because I, could, I remember Kessler said, what would you say? And I said, I'm not in competition with anyone. And, I, and it felt so good because it's like, so this pressure I've been feeling, it's, it's not meant for me. Amen. And guess what? If the pressure can't find a host, the pressure's got to go away. Amen. And a lot of times the devil loves to live in that pressure. Because if he can get you bogged down with the pressure, then you won't, you won't swipe past. You won't swipe past it. You won't take captive of every thought. You won't inspect every thought. You'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do this. I'll, I'll take this. I'll receive it. No, no, no. You got you to gotta swipe past it. You got to take captive of every thought and imagination that exalts itself against God. Why? Because guess what? 
You're not here on accident. You're not here on accident. You know, the, the thing I love about my boys, you know, they, they have a big imagination. If you ever sit down and listen to them, they have a huge imagination. They can, and just watching them play with the most simple things and what it, what, in their minds, what it looks like. And a lot of times they'll take their imaginations and they'll use those as questions. Daddy, can we go, uh, can we go? I remember the other day they said, Daddy, can we get a, can we get a sea turtle? I was like, you want a sea turtle? It's like, yeah, I said, go ask your nana. <laughs> go, go, go ask your nana for one. Go ask your nana for one. Why? Because I don't want to be the bad person to say no, you know. Go ask your nana for one. And say, I love Kelsey enough that I was like, don't, I, I spared her of that, of that victim you know, or that villain. Go, ahead, go ask your nana. Of course, nana's like, no, we are not getting a sea turtle. And Kelly's like, oh, and of course, man, I'm like, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. It's okay. Come on. Let's go back and play. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the job of the Nana, all right? I love you. <laughs> but he, you know, they take their imaginations and their imaginations become questions. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But it's, it's dangerous for us as adults to use our imaginations as questions because a lot of times our imaginations, if they go unchecked, they can produce wild fruit that can lead us far from God. And then we get so far out that we're wondering, like, how did I get here? What am I? Uh, and we feel so distanced from God when really we're not. But the pressure and the anxiety and the animosity makes us feel like we're far when really we're not. That's why you got to check it. You have to check it. You have to inspect. You have to say, okay, uh, this thought I'm having. Better yet, this is where it really hurts. This show that I'm watching. This song that I like. It may be great. It may be fun. But what, 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 what does it produce in my heart? Why do, why do I like to listen to this song? Why do I like to watch this show? You, you, can ask, you can ask the girls. A lot of times they're watching Hallmark, and I'm like, I do not want to watch Hallmark. I want to see, I want to see some action. I want to see something blow up. I want to see something almost about to blow up, but then, miraculously, somebody saves the day. I want to see that. I want to see some kung fu. I want to see all these different things. And, you know, after a while, if I watch too much of that, it gets in my heart. I remember, uh, I remember, and I promise I'm closing with this. I remember there was this show that uh, I just finished. And you ask Kelsey, man, I binged. I binged the show because I could relate to it. It just felt good. It was good. But here's the problem. I became, I didn't just watch the show. I became uh, acquainted with it. I experienced the show. Like I said earlier, you know, becoming acquainted with heaven realities causes us to not be distracted by on earth. Me becoming acquainted with the show caused me to become distracted to a little bit. And here's how I knew I was acquainted with the show. Here's how I knew I experienced the show. Well, I wake up in the morning and something happened, I would think, oh, I wonder would the lead character do this? Or I would quote the lead character. Or, you know, my kids come up and I would mimic something that I saw the lead character do that I would do with them. And, you know, Kelsey say something, I'm thinking, man, how would the lead character respond? And I, I would try to respond to that and it would just, just yeah, never worked. Well, Lindsay, what's wrong with that? My actions were based off of something fictional. That was the opposite of God. Wasn't dark, wasn't super sin or anything. It was just the opposite of God. To the point that I'd be like, okay, no, 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 no. This, this thought I have, that I, I got to check that. Because as much as I like this show, the lead character, his, his life isn't enough to redeem me. Amen. Only Jesus is. So, so therefore, I have to take all that, all that I experienced with the show, and I have to, I got to swipe past it. I gotta swipe past it. I gotta keep swiping until, man, that, okay, that sounds like a quote from the Bible. Let me, 
me do that. Let me, let me say that. Let me apply that. Let me be that. Let me love more. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Let me not get upset. Let me not be rude. Let me not be bitter. Oh, God, keep swiping, keep swiping, keep swiping. And some of y'all, you may, you may be swiping for five minutes. You may be swiping for 10 minutes. If you swipe for 10 minutes, text me and we'll, just, we'll give you something to say. We'll quote your Bible scripture. Just say Jesus wept and then move on if you had to. But you, got, you have to take every thought captive. You have to take every thought captive. You have to take every word captive. Kelsey, all the time, the boys will come up to me and they'll say something. And I'm not paying attention. I'll just say, yeah, sure. And she's like, do you, do you understand what you agreed to? And I'm like, no, I just, I'm trying to get them out. <laughs> uh, you just agreed to give them, you know, it could be something. You just agreed to give them candy for breakfast. Or you just agreed that they could play their tablets at 12 o'clock at night. Well, no, I don't want that. No, no. Okay, so you have to inspect. You have to pay attention. This Christ-like walk, we have to pay attention. Being a Christian isn't just coming to church on Sunday morning and receiving the word, worshiping, giving. No, no, no. It's you paying attention to all the different things that are coming at you. That's part of the Christian walk. That's part of it, paying attention. Amen. Hallelujah. So we have one hack. I want to give you some reading materials real quick. Because last week we, we gave reading materials. Did anybody just, you could raise your hand in your heart. We ain't going to embarrass you. But you raised your hand in the heart. Did anybody take advantage of the reading materials from last week? All right. If, if you didn't, then I want you to. Why? Just because um, it's, it's, it's not enough for you to hear the word. But you need to remind yourself of the word. You need to remind yourself of the word. If Kenneth Hagin did it, we all, we all got to do it. But you need to remind yourself of the word. So if you're taking notes, keep this in mind. Uh, this week be reading Colossians chapter 2. This week be reading Colossians chapter 2. This week be reading Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 11. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 11. Be reading 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and then also Hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12. Hallelujah. You don't have to, but what I'm saying is it's, it's good to be reminded. Because if you've ever been like me, you open up the Bible and you're like, I don't know what to, I don't know where to read. Oh, wait, you know what? Lindsay gave me something to read this week. Let me just read that. And you're reminding yourself of what was deposited in your heart today. Amen. Amen.